0: Hello, and welcome to God in Film, the podcast where a Christian and an atheist dive into the best that cinema has to offer and see if we can find any parallels with the Gospel or any other Bible stories. I'm filmmaker and Asgardian actor, Giles Goff. And I'm source
1: maker and lord of the underworld, Phil Coleman. <laughs> <laughs> How did you know? <laughs> and today we're
0: doing something we've never done before. We're returning to a series of films from a character we've previously covered. In our second series, we looked at Thor and focused most of our discussion on the first film. Today, we'll be looking at Ragnarok and Love and Thunder. So, sorry,
1: Dark World fans, both of you, uh, but
0: there just really wasn't (laughs) that
1: much to talk about with it. I am one of those fans. (laughs) I actually quite like the Dark World. I don't know why everyone hated it. Yeah, it's it's fine. It's just there's not (laughs) a lot to to say, really. Thor the the Dark World was a film. Yes.
0: We'll be asking, what do the Greeks have to do with how we see God and
1: what does it mean to let someone go so phil what did you think of these films ragnarok when that came out i absolutely loved it it had the right amount of balance between action and comedy it had some decent interaction between the characters and it yeah. had Jeff Goldblum in it, which, to be honest, <laughs> I feel as though I could have started with that and that would have been sufficient as to why that film was great. Love and Thunder, for me, uh, it, it just didn't hit the right notes for me. Yeah. Some decent set pieces, really cool to see Jane Foster as Thor. Spoilers, yeah. by the way. Yeah, I just thought it was a bit forced in a lot of ways. Yeah, I feel sorry for Taika in a way because... He took Thor in such a radically
0: different direction with Ragnarok and it was irreverent, it was cheeky and, and the rest of it. It cleaned up at the box office, so I imagine somebody went, that's brilliant, do more of that. The, in fact, the the entire fandom basically said, that's brilliant, do more of that. And then he came back, he, he did more of that thing, and then we all went, no, we don't like it.
1: Yeah, I, the best part about that film was Christian Bale like that country mile 100 percent. yeah Tyker, we love you we can't wait to see what
0: you do next yes now phil has your wife met matt heslop do you know i do not believe she has good keep it that way because <laughs> once she gets an eyeful of that tasty hunk of manliness something in your
1: relationship will just imperceptibly change i'm gonna be honest i'm already threatened you know like just 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 know just knowing he's still on the same landmass as me at some somewhere and so you should be so you should be you know now it's time for (gasps) matt's facts matt's facts
2: hi everyone it's matt here with some facts today about Thor. Matt,
0: it's so great to have you back again. You did such a cracking, comprehensive job on Thor himself. I thought we'd take a slightly different angle today and talk about two of the most important women in the Thor franchise. So first off, could you tell us about Hela, the shockingly secret older sister that Thor's had?
2: I can indeed. The first thing to bring about this is how the MCU has changed the character. Mm -hmm. In the films... Hella is his sister, but in the comics, Hella is his niece. Mm-hmm. Hella is the daughter of Loki. Right. And the ruler of the realm of Niflheim.
0: <laughs> okay. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. Sure.
2: She's had quite a prolific appearance throughout the comics for a long time. More often not villainous, as is shown, mm-hmm. and not as deeply tied to Ragnarok as she is in the MCU. There's a lot of crossover. She's even had points where she's worked with Mephisto.
0: So Mephisto is is basically an analogue for the for the devil in, in the comics, isn't he?
2: He is indeed. He is the big bad. Mm-hmm. Hela has been through so much. She has lost hell. She has stolen power from Odin. Mm-hmm. She has turned the Valkyries into fire-eating demons. She has even had relationships with Thanos.
0: Right. The top list of the, uh, the bad boyfriends, really, isn't he?
2: Oh, definitely. She did trick him, but she was pretending to be deaf herself.
0: Okay. Let's talk about the Mighty Thor.
2: Right. Mighty Thor, Jane Foster. Well, Jane is actually a very old comic book character. She's been around pretty much the entire time Thor has. Originally, she was a nurse. So in the MCU, she is this physicist, great, smart, brilliant. That's not to say she isn't that in the comics. Mm-hmm. It's they just took a very different route. Yeah. So for the first few decades she was around, she was simply a nurse. And a bit of a love interest to Dr. Donald Blake, which is which was Thor's. Other counterpart. Mm -hmm. She went on to get married, and he went on um, to get with Lady Sif. Now it was around this time a great thing happened for her character. Her character became a doctor, and this is what begins to link to everything because she'd been so close with Thor, or even a few times where Lady Sif had a bit of a go at her because she thought she was stealing her man, for want of a better term. But Jane got happy. She married a Dr. Kincaid. She had a son called Jimmy, and then it all started going downhill. Prepare okay. yourself, listeners. This gets dark. <laughs> okay. So it all goes downhill just before a run called Original Sin, which was a big Marvel crossover event. But I'm not going to get into too much detail with that. Okay. What happens to Jane before that is pure tragedy. She loses her son and husband in a tragic car accident.
0: Okay, yeah.
2: And then is diagnosed with cancer.
0: Oh, of course, oh, of course.
2: Throughout this time, she's going round, she's trying to find ways to do it, but she's refusing magical treatment. Now, this is where Original Sin comes in. To give a brief synopsis of that, what happens is Nick Fury kills Uatu the Watcher. An investigation takes place to work out who done it. And as part of a result of this, Nick Fury whispers something in Thor's ear. And this causes Thor to no longer be worthy of wielding Mjolnir. Shortly after this happens, a figure is shown lifting it, a female. Mm-hmm. It's not revealed who is this new Thor, called the Mighty Thor. Bear in mind, the Thor we all know and love is still going round, but he's now taken the title of Odinson. Mm-hmm. And the Mighty Four joins the Avengers and eventually it's revealed that she is Jane Foster. And the first person to properly find this out is Sam Wilson, who is Captain America. Yeah. So it carries on as this. And in the end, she sacrifices Mjolnir. Mjolnir is the only thing keeping her alive. But it's just gone that far. Mm-hmm. She sacrifices it all. And she's happy. She she's accepted her fate. Such a deep character.
0: What was the fan reaction like to uh, to the Mighty Thor? Because I imagine the misogynist wing of the of uh, of Marvel fans were were incredibly vocal on it.
2: To say they were was an understatement. As with anything, people do not like change, mm. but eventually they warmed to the idea. Not everyone did, yeah. but most warmed to the idea. Personally, I was intrigued by the way they were going with the storyline. They'd done similar a few times, introduced a new character to kind of take on a mantle, mm. but kept the secret, the identity secret for a little bit. Yeah. So I, I was a bit skeptical, but ultimately, personally, I, I enjoyed how it played out. Fantastic.
0: Listen, Matt, thank you so much for sharing what you know about Thor, the mighty Thor, and Hela for us. I can't wait to, for everybody else to hear this.
2: No problem. Thank you very much. I'll see you later.
1: So Phil, those were Matt's facts. What did you think? So, Niflheim. <laughs> It just reminded me of something out of Futurama, like like you know <laughs> you know Niffler from Futurama. I don't know if you've watched it, but yeah, just remind me of that. It's like I feel like is that where he comes from? I also think as well, like if you're gonna have Thanos as your boyfriend, right? Mm-hmm. It might not be so bad, especially when he's cooking, because everything would be perfectly balanced, as all things should be. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I think it'd be fine. I see, I see Hell's point. But yeah, right, I, right. I also do think that poor Jane, blooming heck, like. She can't catch a break. Yeah. However, she did get to be Thor. And as yeah. the kids would say, that's pretty dope. So, you yeah. know. Yeah. So it's Absolutely. not so bad, I suppose. But yeah, mm-hmm. nice one, Matt.
0: Now, we're going to switch up our format a little bit. So we're going to start off with finding the faith in the film. Finding the faith in the film. And what we're going to do now in our finding the faith in the film section, we're actually going to have a guest. Now, I first learned about our next guest by introduced to his podcast by my wife, Claire. She was delighted when I had the sheer gall to ask him to come on our show And even more delighted when he said yes So naturally, I, <laughs> I could not keep her out of the interview You know, I, I tried bolting the door I tried recording on, in a sort of hidden location it, did, did you try an electric fence? I tried a claire fence Ah, I yeah, see, okay, great yeah. right. I sort of like attached copies of Jane Eyre to it In the hope that she'd get distracted whilst... Trying, but no, it didn't work, she found out. No. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's fair enough, That's yeah. fair enough You tried your best Anyway, I'll let him introduce himself.
3: My name is Nick Page. I'm a, a writer, a podcaster, speaker. Uh, in fact, it's getting me to shut up. That's the trick. And uh, yeah, um, and uh, a follower of Jesus. And so I sort of write about all that kind of stuff. And in some of my time, I work for an organization called Open Doors, uh, which supports the persecuted church. So, you know, that's that's a good thing as well.
0: Nick, it is such a joy to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much. I Nick is uh, one of the co-hosts of uh, Mid-Faith Crisis podcast, and Claire introduced me to that podcast, and that's why she's here right now, because, well, quite frankly, I had absolutely no chance of keeping her out of this one.
4: Yeah, I'm a bit of a fan, so you didn't have a choice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, excellent. What a wise woman. I yeah. think so.
0: So, we're talking about uh, about Thor. We've obviously done an episode on Thor earlier, but we're looking at the the two later films, uh, Ragnarok and uh, Love and Thunder, and Zeus uh, turns up, played by Russell Crowe, mm. in, uh, in Love and Thunder. You guys made an interesting point. What does Zeus have to do with how we see uh, God?
3: Well, I think one of the things about uh, mythologies like... Norse mythology or Greek mythology or Roman mythology, which was largely stolen from the Greek, mm-hmm. is essentially what you're dealing with is you're dealing with uh, humans with superpowers. Mm. Um, yeah. That is, you know, that's why they're so rich for, you know, Marvel or or DC or, or you know, and I grew up reading comics, so I, I know all this stuff. Mm. They're basically, it's like a soap opera. Yeah. Uh, you know, and so you have these these people with very human um sort of fallibilities. I mean Zeus, uh, y- you know, he's 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 a bit uncontrolled in the lust department <laughs> and you know, he's uh he's he prone to sort of Yeah, he 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 simply cannot keep that toga on. And um wait, well, that would be Jupiter, but anyway, uh, you know, you get the point. <laughs> um and he's uh, and he's got a jealous wife here uh, and and all this kind of stuff. So it's it the lives of the gods are very human in in many respects and the issue is that that filters down into sometimes our understanding say if the christian god Mm. or you know deity like that in other words it's very hard for us not to see them in human terms and so our pictorially our images of god are very Mm zeus-like actually they draw very much on classical statuary if you think of the classic image of of god in the sistine chapel for example. Um, you know, an old but fairly muscly man. You know, bearded, grey-haired. You know, but he but he's pretty hench. Let's yeah. be honest. <laughs> yeah. he's, that's that's fundamentally Zeus. Yeah. Uh, mm. And and then, and then of course you get all the other stuff. So just as Zeus in in um, mythology is, is smiting people with thunderbolts, you get the same kind of thing. So in other words, I think what's happened with uh, Uh, christian history is we tend to see the gods uh, see gods too too easily as a kind of larger zeus you know Mm. with all the human characteristics
0: possibly the follow-on question and uh would be how should we or where should we even start when it comes to thinking about god if you had to try and sort of sum it up or approach that where would you start
3: well i mean of course the truth is we do have to anthropomorphize God to some extent. You can't imagine God as, uh, you know, the being that that he/she is, mm-hmm. um, really. And that's that happens throughout the Bible um, that God is is imagined with physical characteristics. You know, he, Moses sees his his back. Uh, you know, you hear about a God who sleeps, who does all this kind of stuff. Mm. And 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 it reaches its high point, I suppose, in that um, Jesus is a way of imagining God a way for us to to envisage God Jesus says if you've seen me, you've seen the Father and even that word father is is obviously problematic to some people but it's a way for us to to imagine the relationship of God there's a thing called I think it's called apophatic theology, which means you know that the minute you say something about God you've in a sense got it wrong <laughs> anything you can say about God. You know any way of describing God is in in a sense either inadequate or 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 probably sort of misleading yeah. um, but the, but the fact is we're stuck in it. We can't help it we've got to, we've got to talk about God somehow. Mm. Um, so I think it's not really about the anthropomorphizing so much as what kind of figure you imagine God as mm-hmm. because you have got a straight choice. You could imagine God as Jesus, which is about forgiveness, nonviolence, uh inclusion. Um, or you can imagine God as Zeus, which is about smitey, slightly unhinged character.
4: That's incredibly helpful. And like, just as you were talking about that, it, um, I started thinking about the Passion of the Christ, which I'm sure is a complicated film in a lot of ways, but that it does have those lovely moments with Jesus where he's um, uh, with his mum and he's making a table. I think it yeah. is It's just this little scene the where he seems incredibly human and has a sense of humour and I've always really, really mm. loved that because mm. um, it is, it's is—it's a very different character to Zeus, isn't it? It's this Middle Eastern, very humble, poor carpenter um, who's very gentle yeah. and with a sense of humour and I really love that.
3: <laughs> I mean, in terms of um, archaeology, if you want to imagine what Jesus looked like... I mean, obviously, we, we always paint Jesus as a, a, a kind of... Slightly willowy blonde. Yeah. You know, when I was growing up, yeah. I had a children's I had a children's Bible when I was growing up, where he was a sort of slightly ginger blonde as yeah. well. I mean, that's very very unusual colouring for a Mediterranean Jew.
0: But um, Which obviously, it's weird because obviously gingers don't have souls. So I guess that's yeah, what. So that's yeah. <laughs> of, you know. Well, that's I
3: I couldn't possibly comment. Uh, but you know, uh, I did some research for a book uh, some time back about Jesus and trying to imagine what what he looked like. And there's this thing called osteoarchaeology, which looks at bones, basically. Mm. Mm-hmm. And they did some analysis. And so you can go with the average height, like of a well-fed Roman man, was about five foot seven. Mm. That's the average, because they were shorter than us, but the average height of a well-fed Roman man. But the average height of a uh, Mediterranean peasant was five foot two. Mm. Um, you know, and of course, dark skinned, mm-hmm. uh, olive brown eye, olive complexion, brown eyes, dark black sort of curly hair, probably bearded, would get stopped at every airport security (laughs) uh, nowadays. (laughs) And that's that's Jesus. Jesus was a Mediterranean peasant. Mm. I suppose part of the strength, in a sense, about um, the Bible is that it never really describes what Jesus looks like. We only know two things about what Jesus uh, is, Jesus's actual appearance. One is that he was circumcised because he was a Jew, and the other is that he wore a Jewish prayer shawl. So we know those from the Gospels. Otherwise, we don't know anything. So, again, that's a very different picture to the one we're normally presented mm. uh, of Jesus. The
0: prayer shawl, I'm, I'm having mm. to sort of dip back all far into my brain. Is this the kind of shawl that doesn't have a seam? Am I am I thinking of the right thing there?
3: Uh, that's the robe that he was given. Right. It, the shawl is, uh, is worn um, uh, by uh, Jewish men and it has sort of fringe it's it's uh, got tassels, tassels on yeah. it. still one. And there's that story where uh, the woman uh, who's been bleeding for 12 years reaches out and touches the the shawl uh, and touches the, 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 the tassels of it. And so he knows that power's gone out of him. So we know that. So, you know, what I'm saying is, of course, we all picture Jesus. Uh, and and by extension, we all sort of picture God. The The real question we've got to ask all the time is, well, what what are the pictures? Are the pictures helpful? Or are they, in fact... Causing a, a wrong view of God. Mm. Um, one of my favourite quotes is from Michael Ramsey, the Archbishop, who said, "God is Christ-like, and in Him there is no unChrist-likeness at all." Which is a mind-blowing quote. You have to think about it quite a lot. Yeah. But you <laughs> know, that's the scan. That's the sort of shock, in a sense, of Christianity. It's not that Jesus was like God; it's that God was like is exactly like Jesus.
4: Yeah.
3: Yeah. That's the thing, and. Both of those, all three parts of the Trinity, are entirely unlike the Greek and Jewish pantheon that we see acted out in in the films or in in Greek mythology.
4: Mm. But of anyone, Jesus is, I guess, going to be the easiest to grasp out of the Trinity, isn't he? Yes,
3: and and that's what what incarnation is all about. That's why incarnation is so important, Mm -hmm. Um, because it means that Jesus knows exactly what our lives are like and and like you said i mean i think some of the times we we tend to see jesus only in terms of doing jesus-like things you Mm -hmm. know preaching healing walking on water blah 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 actually he worked for what about 14 years probably as a as a a carpenter as a tecton which really means builder Mm -hmm. Uh, so he worked he he worked as a builder and 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 that equally that's that's not some sort of sideline that was crucial yeah. to to his experience of, of humanity you know he sweated he went to the toilet he did all these things you know that, that that humans do yeah um he had fun he'd laugh with people he 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 ate he drank he was accused of over drinking the whole time so you know <laughs> um you know the picture we always need to work at this picture i think uh, 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 of jesus and 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 by extension of god really
0: 100 yeah. percent. before we let you go nick can you tell us a little mm. bit about your podcast, the Mid-Faith Crisis podcast?
3: Sure. Um, Mid-Faith Crisis is a podcast for every Christian who's ever sort of stood in church and gone, is this it? You know, what am I doing here? Mm. It's for a lot of Christians with a lot of questions. And it's, it's for people basically who are sometimes who are hanging on to faith by their fingertips, mm-hmm. who are going through that, that questioning fra- phase. What we argue in Mid-Faith Crisis is that this is not some kind of blip in the road Mm. it's not something you'll get over it's actually a really crucial part of your spiritual development um, and so we talk about all kinds of things. You know, we talk about quite a lot of films. I love talking about Marvel films, but my co-host, Joe, not such a big fan. He likes to go for sort of gritty dramas yeah. with me. If they're, not, if they're not wearing a cape and hitting each other, I'm not particularly interested. But, you know, he loves all that. So we, 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 we talk about a lot of different stuff, but it's really about, you know, what, what does a faith look like uh, when you start to sort of reevaluate things mm. and see things mm. from different perspectives?
0: Thank you so much for coming on our podcast. We, uh, we really appreciate it. Uh, Claire's a little bit starstruck.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely appreciate well, you taking likewise. the
4: Likewise. <laughs>
0: anyway, no,
3: uh, thank you very much for inviting me. Thank and you. next time, let's talk about a different, better film
0: Absolutely. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. next time I'm doing any, I'll send, I'll send you a list and be like,
4: do any of these take your fancy? <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Be great.
4: Hi, everyone. It's Claire here. As you may have guessed, I absolutely loved recording this interview. If you would like to hear more of us talking to Nick Page about his podcast, The Midfaith Crisis, you can go to our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash GodinFilmPodcast. If you sign up to our Bishop Waller Bridge tier, you can hear that as well as bonus episodes like Godin Gaming or Godin Music, extended interviews and loads of bonus content. And if you sign up to our Archbishop Spike Lee tier, you get to hear our next episode on Infinity War a week early. So why not check it out? Giles gets so happy when he gets a new patron. He does a little happy dance and it's just adorable. And now, back to the show.
1: So, Phil, that was Nick Page. What do you think? So, there was a lot of stuff there that I just wouldn't have thought of. Yeah. Like, I actually made some notes. Right, okay. (laughs) Um, I actually made some notes. So, um, I like the fact that if you try and describe God, you've already got it wrong. (laughs) Like, that's... (laughs) That's one yeah. of those things I'm just sort of like, oh, so the act of trying is folly, I see, <laughs> okay. Mm. And I guess, like, but what I did like about that is that, like, it's it means that, like, yeah, okay, you can't really describe God because he's not really a describing sort of thing here, but, yeah. like... It's more of a personal well, thing. Well, just you know? by just by sheer virtue of saying he's
0: not really a describing thing, you've got it wrong because you've already referred to him as a male. Yeah, to know well, what this, I mean. that, to be fair, yeah, exactly, see, see what yeah, I mean? That's, it's that's, like that's, the... that's
1: like that's just again that's me just tapping into what I've what I've been shown the imagery yeah. that I've seen. You know, big white, big white man, big white beard probably white robes that kind of thing you know that's that's how i envision god and i can't help but do that because that's just how it's been ingrained in my mind yeah and i guess it's a personal thing you know if it whatever helps you connect with yeah. god maybe that's how you think of him i had okay. a couple of other notes by the way go on, go for it. um these these are some of these are superfluous but apparently i was slightly taller than jesus which is great yeah. Um because I'm not really told than most people and the fact that he was blamed for over-drinking I thought was hilarious because I thought <laughs> I think it's I think it's great that Christ loved Beth. Uh, <laughs> um I'm coming back to that picture of you having a
0: beer with Jesus eh, and like eh, just hey eh, eh, Jesus, right? Just just getting in in-depth discussions about like different types of microbreweries and
1: stuff like that. Oh no, if it's something like now do you reckon the Dark Side of the Moon by Pink Floyd was a divinely influenced because I've got to say there's some cracking tracks on that album. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, I want I, this is a serious one. I did find it interesting about the concepts of doubt being biblical as well. Yeah, I don't know why, but I think you'll I just think you'll find this funny. I, it reminded me of my mate recently. We were talking about the last couple of years, as it were, since like 2020, and just yeah. all the kind of things that have gone wrong uh-huh. over. Yeah, you know, like just politically. and and virally, let's say. (laughs) Um, And he he just said to me, he went, you know, I I think God's been on his phone the last couple of years. (laughs) (laughs) And I just, I thought that was, I thought i better save that one for Giles because he'll love that. Love it, (laughs) Yeah
0: okay i'm gonna flip things on the head a little bit today normally i'll start with the film and then say and oh, that's a bit like this but we're actually going to start with the uh, biblical stuff and see if you can figure out where i'm going with it okay okay let's let's do this i'm gonna head all the way back to genesis and let's be clear genesis crazy okay <laughs> this is one of the books that is thought to have been written by Moses but we don't know for sure mm. it's the first book of the Bible so you've got the creation story in there or uh, through to Noah and then the the three patriarchs Abraham Isaac and Israel and we're going to talk about Jacob and Esau okay okay so I'm gonna give you a lot of uh, of what's going on here so we've got Isaac who is the son of Abraham so Genesis 25- 21 Isaac prayed hard to God for his wife Because she was barren God answered his prayer and Rebecca Became pregnant But the children tumbled and kicked inside her so much That she said if this is the way it's going to be Why go
1: on living Which I think a lot of pregnant women can definitely relate to that I remember my wife pregnant And she did not have a fun time with pregnancy So
0: (laughs) She went to God to find out what was going on God told her two nations are in your womb two people's butting heads while still in your body. One people will overpower the other, and the older will serve the younger. So, kind of feel like God should have told her, just just have a lie down, take things
1: easy. And, put, uh, put on Star Trek The Next Generation and make a cup of tea, you know? Like... Exactly. Exactly, yeah.
0: Anyway. When her time to give birth came, sure enough, there were twins in her womb. The first came out reddish, as if snugly wrapped in a hairy blanket. I should say, I'm <laughs> reading from... Uh, the message translation, which is probably one of the most modern versions, so sure. if it sounds a little unbiblical, that's why. It's because it's it's trying to sound as as modern as possible. Sure. The first came out reddish, as if snugly wrapped in a hairy blanket. They named him Esau, which means hairy. His brother followed, his fist clutched tight to Esau's heel, and they named him Jacob, which means heel. All right. I didn't and know then, that. <laughs> yeah. The boys grew up and Esau became an expert hunter, an outdoorsman, and Jacob was a quiet man, preferring life indoors among the tents. Isaac loved Esau because he loved his game, as in hunting. Yeah. Uh, But Rebecca loved Jacob. So already the parenting is screwed here. Do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, that's
0: not how it's meant to work. One day Jacob was cooking a stew. Esau came in from the field, starved. Esau said to Jacob, give me some of that red stew, I'm starved. Jacob said, make me a trade. My stew for your rights as the
1: firstborn. I'm remembering this now, yeah. Already, you'd be looking at the terms and conditions going, hang on, that doesn't sound quite right, you know? I'm going to hire a contract lawyer in a minute, I swear.
0: (laughs) Esau said, what good is a birthright if I'm dead? Jacob said, first, swear to me. And he did it. That's how Esau shrugged off his rights as the firstborn. So, like, if it was just this, if it was just this situation, you already you'd be thinking Jacob, bit of a dick. Yeah, it's a, it's a bit dysfunctional just in just just in general. Actually, oh, the whole family, you know. Yeah, that's something really not right there. Now, mm. if you're ready for some more. Old Testament dysfunction, family dysfunction. Get ready for this. So this is Genesis twenty-seven. I'll, I'll, I'll let me get comfortable. <laughs> so we've already had like his birthright, his legal birthright to inherit uh, his father's property and everything. He's traded it away, and somehow that is legally binding. Like, okay, fine, <laughs> whatever. Old Testament law be cray. <laughs> you know? Yeah. See what I mean about crazy? You know. Yeah, it's a bit strange. So, so really. Es- Esau's not got a lot left He knows that his brother's going to get The lion's share of everything Because he had to make a trade In really unfavourable circumstances So the only thing that he's got left now Is like a blessing Okay um, right. And a blessing is seen as almost like a Almost like a tangible thing At this point sure. it's like, a, or, or a
1: finite thing Probably would what, be a better what, way what? to put it I don't know why the, f- the first thing came to my head Was like a voucher <laughs> you know, like like a like a coupon maybe or something like if it's if it's
0: tangible then yeah. So let me read this bit out of Genesis twenty seven. It's a little bit longer. When Isaac had become an old man was nearly blind, he called his eldest son, Esau, and said, My son, I'm an old man, he said. I might die any day now. Do me a favor, get your quiver of arrows and your bow and go out in the country and hunt me some game. Then fix me a hearty meal the kind that you know I like and bring it to me to eat so that I can give you my personal blessing before I die. Rebecca, that's his mum, was eavesdropping as Isaac spoke to his son Esau. As soon as Esau had gone off to the country to hunt game for his father, Rebecca spoke to her son Jacob. I just overheard your father talking with your brother Esau. Now my son, listen to me, do what I tell you. Go to the flock and get me two young goats. Pick the best I'll prepare them into a hearty meal. Then you'll take it to your father. He'll eat and bless you before he dies. But mother, Jacob said, my brother Esau is a hairy man and I have smooth skin. What happens if my father touches me? I'll bring down a curse on myself instead of a blessing. So this is Jacob. Jacob's first thought is, oh no, I'll get caught, rather than, wait, isn't this a completely terrible thing to do?
1: Yeah, no, there's there's, there's quite a lot of stuff that's wrong here. Like, yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah, just yeah, general yeah. actually. So then Rebecca says, just do what I say, go and get the goats. So he went, and got them, brought them to his mother, she cooked a hearty meal. Rebecca took the dress up clothes of her older son Esau and put them on her younger son Jacob. She took the goat skins and covered his hands and the smooth nape of his neck. Then she placed the hearty meal she had fixed and fresh bread she'd baked into the, ha- into the hands of her son Jacob. He went to his father and said, "My father." Yes, he said, "Which son are you?" I am your firstborn Esau I did what you told me come now sit up sit up and eat of my game so you can give me your personal blessing Isaac said come close son let me touch you are you really my son Esau the voice is Jacob's but the hands are the hands of Esau but as he was about to bless him he pressed him he said you're sure you are my son Esau I am yes I am then Isaac said come close son and kiss me he came close and kissed him, and Isaac smelled the smell of his clothes. Finally, he blessed him. And then, right after Isaac had blessed Jacob and Jacob had left, Esau showed up from the hunt. His father, Isaac, said, And who are you? I am your son, your firstborn, Esau. Isaac started to tremble, shaking violently. He said, Then who hunted game and brought it to me? I finished the meal just now before you walked in, and I blessed him. He's blessed for good.
1: Good grief. Yeah. That's just nasty.
0: Yeah, moving on to like verse 38 He says, but don't you have just one blessing for me, father? Esau sobbed inconsolably Isaac said to him You'll live far from earth's bounty, remote from heaven's dew You'll live by your sword, hand to mouth And you'll serve your brother But when you can't take it anymore, you'll break loose and run free Esau seethed in anger against Jacob Because of the blessing his father had given him He brooded, the time for mourning my father's death is close
1: And then I'll kill my brother Jacob I do see his point there, you yeah, know what I mean? I, yeah, 100%. I think I'd probably I'd probably think about doing a bit of killing if, yeah. I, if that was the yeah. case, you know.
0: And I know it sounds it sounds daft like we're talking about the idea of a blessing, but if you imagine like a political endorsement, you can't touch it, you can't see it, but if a person endorses multiple candidates for the same thing, then it takes away the power of it. Do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, that makes sense. It's a weird one this one but these two brothers do they remind you of anyone i've got a feeling there's a theme here and i think yes yeah. i think it's thor and loki isn't it yeah 100 yeah. percent. the fact that thor is is odin's favorite and
0: uh, loki is frigga's favorite and that sort of thing you know so we are seeing that kind of connection there and the fact that one relies on his strength the other one relies on being tricky I'm not saying that Stanley and Jack Kirby stole straight from the Old Testament on this one, but you do get a
1: feeling that might be an unconscious influence here. Do you know what I I mean? I feel like they might have been a teensy bit influenced, even if, a teensy bit inspired, let's say, even if they didn't realize it.
0: And of course, assuming that Stanley was a, a good Jewish boy and paid attention when he was in Temple, then these are the kind of stories he would have known really well because Jacob also has another name, he's called israel okay right so the jewish people are descended from jacob so Uh. do you remember we also we talked about a guy who worked for 14 years to marry to he, he works for seven years to marry the girl of his dreams he's tricked he has to work for another seven years so it's 14 years in total do you remember that one I think so. We talked about it in the in our bag episode, I think, with the in terms oh. of celibacy and stuff like that. Okay,
1: I'll have to revisit that once. Um, yeah, it, for some reason I just can't recall it right now. Yeah.
0: So that's Jacob as well. Same guy, okay. Jacob is this guy. He he has to run away because his brother wants to kill him, and you know, fair enough. Frankly, after all the nonsense
1: you put him through, yeah, I'd, this, I'd be I'd be pretty annoyed.
0: <laughs> so, and what is weird is normally in terms of Old Testament stories. It's usually, and this person, who is our patriarch, did some shaky things, but they were still great. And yet, here, it's so strange, because if these characters are fictional, why would a Jewish author create a patriarch that is so sketchy as hell? Do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, because if if this was a like a created allegory, as it were, for yeah. lack of a better term, why Why would they sort of give, you know, people against them the ammunition, I guess? Yeah,
0: which is why it leads me to think that there must be some grain of truth to what's happening here. And it probably is just a grain, but there's got to be some grain of truth because if you're trying to create a story for yourself, it seems odd to me that you would make something so unflattering, you know?
1: Yeah, I find that I find that very weird.
0: Especially for the person who you name your country after.
1: Yeah, especially for that, like you know, he's he's the the, the way that Jacob appears to be presented, or Israel is yeah. presented um, from what you've told me at the very least. He just seems like a right little schemer. Yeah. So, like I say, it fits really well for the whole Thor and Loki combination, doesn't it? I think it does. Yeah. Like Loki's obviously the god of mischief. Yeah. He's a trickster. He's most of his magic's based around fooling people or finding his way out of things. Uh, yeah. and he's also very intelligent as well whereas thor is more brute strength and you know natural sort of like leadership Whereas well, it's, it's funny <laughs> thor starts certainly starts off
0: as being as being the dumb one but as the series goes on you really start to see he has this uh, level of intelligence that it's it's always clicking on. And I wanted to draw particular attention to one specific scene in Ragnarok. I know we've, we've ended up looking at Love and Thunder first and then Ragnarok, but I don't know, some
1: kind of chaotic Taika Waititi energy going into my planning here. Do you know what? There's a multiverse now. There's variants of everybody. I don't think it matters.
0: There's uh, one scene in Ragnarok that happens about uh, an hour and a half into the film. And it's Thor and Loki are trying to escape um, Sakaar and trying to get off the planet and it is a it is a blink and you'll miss it scene. There's so much visual spectacle in that I honestly did not pay attention to the gravitas of it but Thor and Loki are in a uh, elevator and they're about to do the, the get help routine yes. in order to get yeah, the yeah, ship yeah. and there's this whole thing where Loki has just said so I think I'm going to stay on Sakaar and Thor goes I completely agree with you That sounds like a really good idea And Loki's shocked He's like Oh you're agreeing with me It's like Because he expects Thor to try and change his mind But Thor said This planet is is lawless It's chaotic It's perfect for you Loki responds with I didn't realise you thought so little of me And then Thor responds with Loki I thought the world of you I thought we were going to fight side by side forever But at the end of the day You're you and I'm me I don't know Maybe there's still some good in you But let's be honest our paths diverged a long time ago,
1: and yeah,
0: it wasn't until I watched the Taika Watiti video that he did promoting this for Vanity Fair, where he actually explains this is Thor letting go of his brother. You
4: know,
1: it's... I think that shows a, a great degree of emotional intelligence. Yeah, from um, from Thor, he's just like, right, well, do you know something? I I have really tried. Um, and i i don't need to anymore and it's
0: so strange for me this one because we're taught so much that love is is about forgiveness and it is about trying to be in each other's lives and just okay let me let me put it this way right yeah i have i've had friends In my life who sometimes I've drifted apart from, you know. Or sometimes we've had an argument with, uh, with each other and we've not spoke for a while and they've just kind of drifted out of my life. And I know with an alarming level of clarity that if somebody falls out of my life, then that is definitely the way they wanted it. And it's definitely not my fault because... I will have, like, I'll have messaged them. I'll have said, hey, can we talk sometime? Can we do this? I'll have invited them to stuff. I'll have tried to rebuild that bridge. Yeah. So if I if that relationship falls apart, I can look back and go, okay, well, I, I, I did all the things. You know, I, I tried.
1: Yeah, I think, it's, I think that's the thing, isn't it? Like, you, you try and do try and do your best uh, yeah. but some people it happens I think with even like you know great friends like you you, you just sometimes grow it and go down different paths yeah I know that this there's, there's I, there was one particular person I used to be very very good friends with um but it was very one-sided and yeah. like I, I no longer speak to that person anymore but for the longest time I thought maybe like I could repair things and it yeah. took a lot of Energy and sort of upset on my part, to basically, just go right now. Yeah, and that, I think that takes just—I think that takes time and just being at a certain, <laughs> being at a certain experience level. I guess <laughs> if I'm going to put it in a game term, but I think with friendships,
0: we we sort of expect each other. We expect that sometimes people are going to drift in and drift out, and we have some intense friendships, and we know that context-wise, they can come to an end. I think it's trickier when it's family. Yeah. Now yeah. this may take you by surprise Phil. Yeah. But not everybody has such a good relationship with their brother that they go into making sauces together as a as a business <laughs> proposition, you
1: know? Yes, no I'm I uh, I'm aware that I uh, I am very lucky in that yeah. respect. And I, and even though I there's sometimes and if you are listening rob sorry for this next sentence but uh, there are some times when I could absolutely rip his head off his shoulders but um <laughs> you, you you can sometimes you can argue you can sometimes be very very um abrasive towards each other but I don't know you i, I feel like sometimes you find a way to come back at least one one part of the the, the 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 one side will try it as harder than the other maybe yeah you know that that can that can happen as well
0: And i'm On the flip side to that Of like This is where we take advantage of the fact My family don't listen to this (laughs) I feel like in a lot of ways I've tried Everything that I can try With this one particular relationship Hmm. And In the end What it Breaks down to is We're completely different people And there is, how can I I put it? Until I can see some change in that other person, there's no way that we can have a relationship because we're going to get trapped in this loop where we have a massive fallout and then we don't speak for ages and then it kind of thaws for a little bit no pun intended Um, I didn't catch that one at first (laughs) we start to to develop a, a decent relationship and then I'll say just the teensiest thing that he won't like and or I'll do something that he's not happy with and I will try my absolute best to be as reasonable and balanced as possible and it'll still blow up in my face and I'll still have less than nothing to show for it now that sucks on its own but how can I put it those people who will say things like well you're a Christian you're supposed to forgive each other or you're you're supposed to love each other
1: they really kind of burrow into your, into your brain uh, a little bit do you know I, what I, I mean I can, that, I, can, I can imagine that being quite frustrating because you know, it's It's yeah, fine, you know, forgiveness is a big part of Christianity and a big part of, you know, your belief system, but yeah. you know, there's there's got to be a line somewhere like, you, you can't be having you can't be getting trampled on all the time yeah. you know, by this other person, that's just not healthy.
0: I, and obviously Jesus modelled loads of different ways that you can resolve something with somebody like Peter literally said three times over, I do not know this guy, just as DLP. Jesus was being being <laughs> tortured, you know. And Jesus found a way to repair that relationship. And he found a way to do it that actually involves coming back from the dead. So it was clearly a priority for Jesus. Do you know what I'm saying? We don't all have that luxury, I think. Yeah. <laughs> but if there's, if there's free will, right, then, how can we put it? you might be doing the best to follow Jesus and you might be doing the best to to sort of do these things. Or, or even from the atheist side of things, you might be doing your best to be a, a sort of gentle and fully rounded and caring individual. But if the other person's not willing to try,
1: then you're stuffed, aren't you? You can only do so much, I think, until you need to actually have some kind of like reciprocation. Yeah. Otherwise, it's just exhausting. And, exactly. And, 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 and unhealthy.
0: There is a little bit of a biblical guidance for what to do in this situation. So Jesus says at one point in Matthew ten eleven to fourteen, he's sending his uh, his his disciples out to all different places like. I need you to tell people about me. I can't get around them myself. And this he's also
1: preparing them for when he's not here, you know? Obviously, this is the time before, like, you know, Twitter and that. So it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's quite hard to get the word out. Exactly, exactly. So Jesus tells them
0: in verse 11, Whatever town or village you enter, search there for some worthy person to stay at their house until you leave. As you enter their home, give it your greeting. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it is not, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, leave that home or town and shake the dust off your feet. And that is harsher
1: than you would expect from Jesus, you know? It makes a point, though. Like, yeah. it's... It, it, yes, okay, like, it's, it's it, it may seem harsh, but it's a better way of doing it all round than just beating a dead horse.
0: <laughs> yeah. And this is the thing, and I, I am extrapolating here, so I am not able to necessarily take something exactly what jesus said from my situation i'm working what, something that jesus said i'm trying to apply it to a thing and maybe i'm wrong and if you are if i am please somebody tell me but I, if i if i tweak this a little bit you know if this person doesn't want to invite you in if this person rejects you and won't listen to you then leave that person and shake the dust off your feet Because what I feel like Jesus is is effectively telling us is it is okay to leave an, an abusive situation or a dysfunctional situation. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes total sense, yeah. I feel like Jesus recognized that sometimes we need to triage our relationships. You know, we need to sort of work on the ones that we can improve on. And the ones that are too far gone, we just have to let them go. And... To be clear, that doesn't mean you shut things down forever. That doesn't mean this person is dead to me. (laughs) It's just saying I'm not going to do the running anymore. Because coming back to Jacob and Esau, Esau literally wanted to kill that dude. And yet, a few chapters later in Genesis 35, after Isaac dies, it says... Then he breathed his last and died and was gathered to his people, old and full of years. And his sons Esau and Jacob buried him. And it's a a tiny little throwaway line, but it does tell us that there had to be some kind of resolution for them both to come
1: back and bury their father. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, they put aside their differences for something bigger than themselves. Yeah. You know? And it's good that they managed to do that. Nice one, (laughs)
0: guys. So, by all means... We can keep hoping and praying for reconciliation, but we don't have to chase after it anymore. I think
1: that's a good point. I think I agree with that. And I think we'll end it there then, so seems like a pretty nice neat way to end it absolutely <laughs> ladies and gentlemen thank you so
0: much for listening to this far too heartfelt and earnest
1: episode <laughs> of going <Gordon laughs> film yeah, so there's a lot of soft speaking and you know when the soft speaking comes out that's when things are about to get real <laughs> <laughs> join us next week for
0: all the fun and lols that was infinity war we can't Ooh. wait to see you Phil, I always feel like I'm asking a stupid question with this one now. <laughs> <laughs> Have you had a good time?
1: I did have a good time. It was nice to talk about things that are worth mulling over and considering. Awesome. Me too.
0: See you soon, listeners. Bye! Bye! Gorded Film is hosted and created by Giles Goff and Phil Coleman. Mixing and editing by Giles. Our logo was designed by Julie Walsh. And our theme tune was composed by Rick Lee. Waffle Ed by
4: Natalie
0: God of Film is a Dash production. Please rate and review. Unless it's a one star, in which case, travel to the centre of the universe via the Shadow Realm and use Stormbreaker to open the gates to Eternity. When you finally stand in front of Eternity, that abstract concept personified who will grant a wish to the first person to seek them out, then just politely ask them for Giles and Phil to make a better episode this time.